This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing With, with Science. Science. Yes, concussions and head traumas are most definitely this season's must-not-have thing. And people are rightly concerned. But is there light at the end of the tunnel? Yes, well, actually, there may well be light at the end of the tunnel as we speak because active steps have already been taken in a number of major sports to combat exactly this issue. Mild traumatic brain injuries and chronic traumatic encephalopathy are no longer marginal issues, but are now at the forefront of many minds. And today, we focus on what is being done, especially in the world of football. Yeah. So, Dr. Samuel Brown is a neurosurgeon, as well as the co-founder and chief medical officer of VCIS. V-I-C-I-S, developing new football helmet technology that shows significant reduction in impact forces for NFL, college, and youth football. And we'll also have physicist Richard Brandt, CEO of Sports Science Football, who do a lot of helmet testing. As well as Dr. Roger Hartle, official neurosurgeon for the New York Football Giants. So I think what we have is a group of experts that can address why things need to happen, mm-hmm. what is happening, yeah. and where we are going to go from where we are right now. Because I think if we look backwards, we're not going to help ourselves. No, and you know what? Here's the thing. First of all, we know that we have so much more information available nowadays. You know, there was a time, I remember when I was a kid playing football, and, you know, the whole idea was to ring somebody's bell, as they would say. Yeah. Like, that's what you wanted to do. And now we know that, you know, that's uh, that's a problem. But it's not just football. It's not just no. the NFL. I mean, you look at, uh, they talk about the micro collisions uh, from the headers in soccer, right? Yeah, you're looking at me. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the way it goes. So you've got a lot of sports that are involved 
in concussions, in mild traumatic traumas. But at the moment, the people that are taking the lead seem to be the NFL, who yeah. brought forward $100 million right. and a head health challenge, yeah. which uh, Dr. Samuel Browd's groups, Vicious, Vicious, I'm not sure, we'll find out the yeah, correct we'll pronunciation, see, yeah. have won for the safety, safest helmet and is already in play with some NFL teams and players. So, uh, and I could have used that helmet as a child because uh, from what I understand, I was dropped repeatedly on my head. There'll be a reason for that. <laughs> All right, for first joining us, and we have the privilege today, Dr. Samuel Browd, attending neurosurgeon at Seattle's Children's Hospital. Med be patient, because this is a long title list, by the way. Medical director of the Seattle Children's Sport Concussion Program, director of Wa University of Washington Sports Health and Safety Institute, and he serves as an unaffiliated neurologic consultant to the NFL, independent neurologic consultant to the Seattle Seahawks, and co-founder, and this is the important bit, and medical chief medical officer, is it vicious or vicious? How do we pronounce vicious? that? Vicious. Vices. Vices. Wow, we were totally off. We were everywhere. We but were everywhere. It was like vicious, <laughs> uh, vicious. I was like vicious. Man, that's that's an aggressive title. Yeah. That's an aggressive name. Vices, especially okay. for a for a helmet company like vicious, vicious <laughs> helmets. That's right. Wear a vicious helmet. So how do you get involved with uh, this particular program? Yeah. And uh, obviously your background has led you towards it, but. You've got some interesting co-founders on the board, I believe. Yeah, so, you know, I've had the great privilege of working at the Children's Hospital in Seattle, and we have a, a concussion program here. So I've seen a lot of the kids come through who were getting concussed and, you know, also doing the sideline work uh, with the Seahawks and just getting really involved in, in football in general. And it struck me a few years ago that, you know, the technology really hadn't caught up uh, in terms of, certainly head health and head protection. And so we started to look critically at the helmets and realized that the technology really hadn't been updated in you know many, many years. So we thought there was a nice opportunity to take the best engineering principles out there and really rethink what a football helmet would be and should be. Yeah, you know, the thing is that uh, you guys uh, basically went down to the studs yeah, you started from scratch. Mm. So aside from the fact that it's, you yeah. know, it goes on the head, what is that process? How do you how do you start from scratch with a helmet? You know, I'm very lucky I work at an amazing research university and I literally cold called the chair of mechanical engineering and said, I'm interested in talking to you about this problem. I think there's an opportunity around football helmets to do something different. You know, originally football helmets were designed for catastrophic injuries, skull fractures bleeding in the brain. They were never really intended to address concussion, which we think come from rotational forces. And so we sat down uh, with Per Reinhold, uh, Dr. Reinhold, and we started to think around how would we engineer and uh, try to address this particular problem. And I think we had this great luxury of starting completely from scratch and moving forward and trying to build into the helmet all of the things that we would want to uh, if, if we're leveraging uh, the best science, the best medicine, the best engineering. If you've got 100% perfection as your aim, how close do you think the zero one, the helmet you're actually holding, has got to addressing that? So it's important. I always say that there's never going to be a technology that 100% eliminates the risk of concussion or, or head injury. But what we really try to do is understand the type of forces that we want to mitigate and design around that. And so as we've gone through and built the helmet and started to do all of the bench 
reduction in the forces uh, that are transmitted through the helmet to the head form. So we're hopeful that that's going to have a meaningful uh, effect in terms of uh, reducing the risk of injury. And so, so these are things that we're looking at long term to be able to study. When you talk about uh, the, the rotational forces, can you just explain for anybody who may not know what that is when you say rotational forces or where you believe concussions come from? And when I say for somebody who may not understand, I'm talking about me. <laughs> So a lot of people think that the injuries are coming just from a, a straight hit to, say, the front of the helmet, for example. And a lot of the injuries are occurring because somebody gets hit on the side. And what's happening inside the skull is that there's sort of a rotational force that's happening where there's forces that are put down toward the center of the brain. And we think that those are areas that are more likely to lead to concussion. So as we design the helmet, if you look at the internal structure of this thing, it has columns, and the columns are able to not just bend, but they can move in different directions. And the idea there is that not only can it absorb this linear force, but it can also take what we call these shear forces where you get hit yeah. from the side. Mm-hmm. Columns can move and bend and absorb some of that energy. And this is one of the really novel and unique things about this is the design of this helmet. That layer that you've just described, where did you go for, what did you go to rather for your inspiration? Well, again, Dr. Reinhold is a very brilliant mechanical engineer. And to be honest, he tied back into history a bit. You know, we started to look at the properties of, of columns and how they can move and compress. And we were looking for a very specific type of force curve uh, to reduce uh, the energy uh, that you see in football. And so, through many, many iterations and experiments in the early days, we came up with a idealized structure. So how many of the columns there are, how they're spaced, how easy it is to compress them or not, is all part of the magic of the way this helmet is designed works. So I remember there was big talk years ago about this water helmet. I don't know if you remember that like apparently there was you know uh the idea was to absorb and distribute the force of the impact uh how is this different uh i mean i I know that's what you're doing you're absorbing and distributing the force of the impact so that it doesn't reach the brain that's really what you're doing it's kind of like uh the way a shock absorber uh picks up the bumps in your car you're still getting the bumps you just don't feel them so uh but what is the difference between that and the padding uh of of the foam padding on the inside of a helmet or like remember the water helmet what's the difference there So when you look at all the different materials that go into the helmet, what we're trying to look at is what the force curves look like. So you take and you impact this helmet, how many G-forces do you see that spike up from the head form that's inside for the bench test? Uh And so as we look at different materials and you look at water, for example, when water is compressed, it actually can cause a very high G-force versus foam materials. And then different foams also have different properties. And so where you really want to go is to try and take best structures you can to redistribute the force. And so in the helmet, for example, in the Vices Zero One, there's a column structure that mitigates a lot of force, but there's also padding inside that's used to fit the helmet, but that also affords energy absorption. So there's a lot of 
science that uh, fortunately the engineers are quite brilliant at figuring out and we've tried to really optimize around the forces that we see in football in particular. With all of what's going on inside the helmet, are you now looking at it being gigantic? Is it uh, constrained by uh, dimensions of size and weight? that you have to work to, or can you do whatever you wish almost? Actually, that's a great idea. Let's just give players giant helmets. Everybody can walk around looking like they're in the Mardi Gras <laughs> parade, and uh, we don't have to worry about it. Just big, giant helmets running, <laughs> running around on the field. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, well, you know, Doc. <laughs> well, I, you know, I... No, no, you know, it's funny because I, I laugh about it because in the early days, you know, we were thinking about the helmet and, you know, you have kind of some nerdy guys, a neurosurgeon and a mechanical engineer. And, yeah, if you made the helmet bigger, that's probably better for force absorption. But as you know, we're talking about young guys out playing and the mirror test is very, very important. And I can go talk to them and say, you know, safety, safety, safety. But number one through ten on their list is often how cool does this thing look and do I look vicious and fierce and ready to go play? So early days, we knew that we had to make a helmet that was going to look like a football helmet, have the same general you know, size requirements, and then also weight. And so as we went through the design of this helmet, we did a large uh, project around industrial design and talked to many, many players and coaches and everybody else to kind of get a feel for what a helmet should be. And so if you look at the size of this helmet it's the same as other helmets that are currently worn by players the weight of this current helmet is right down the middle in terms of uh, how much it weighs and the aesthetic of it while it's really modern and and very cool looking it doesn't look hugely different than than a helmet and it definitely doesn't look like a bobblehead for somebody to wear this thing no actually it's a really cool looking yeah. helmet for those of you who don't uh uh, watch us on StartalkAllAccess.com uh, to give you an idea of what the helmet looks like. Think of a fighter pilot's helmet with the visor down. That's kind of what this helmet looks like. So uh, the doc is holding it up on the screen right yeah. now. So for those of you who are... I'll try and post that on social. Yeah, it's you know, really... It's actually a little ominous looking to be on. Like if if you were to wear this helmet, it, it, it's it's a little scary looking, you know. What, what do you want on the front? Hello Kitty. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a little Hello Kitty. As a matter of fact, you show me an NFL player with a Hello Kitty on the front of his helmet, he's my new hero. Oh, for heaven's sake! <laughs> I mean, let, let's get back to reality. Yeah. Um, you won the NFL Head Health Challenge, and congratulations, sir, to you and everybody on your team. Um, how then did you find pickup in terms of the NFL itself, college and, and high school players? Yeah, so, you know, initially we spent a lot of energy reaching out to uh, teams and players uh, across all levels. So that goes from the NFL to NCAA to even high school programs to, again, learn from them and understand what they would want in a helmet, where there have been problems with helmets in the past for them. And so we really tried to establish good relationships and partnerships, if you will, with the different teams as we were developing this thing. And there were many contributions you know, throughout the NFL and in college and other places uh, that went into the ultimate design. And so so we really wanted to listen and, and have these guys as partners so that when we went back, they understood what we had done, why we had done it, and they could advocate to their players 
that they should at least take a look at wearing this this helmet. And so we're very fortunate. I think, you know, the Seahawks locally here have been uh, amazing and their staff uh, giving us advice. And uh, I think it's paid off. You know, this year, every single NFL team will have players in our helmet. We're going to have somewhere over 130 NCAA teams uh, wearing the helmet. There are teams like Notre Dame uh, that have gone uh, to almost full roster adoption as well as Baylor. Mm. And so we're starting to see people paying attention and recognizing that they want to look for the uh, latest and greatest in, in the best technology out there. Um, so well, congratulations, th- yeah, by the way. Fantastic. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, just, just as a point of interest, the NFL uh, Head Health Challenge was kind of like a, um, uh, call it a contest, if you will, right, for people to come up with uh, solutions to uh, concussion uh, mitigation, correct? Correct, yeah. As we know, technology produces Produces an awful lot of solutions without knowing it for a number of other problems. But I have this reoccurring question in my head and I can't get rid of it and I apologize in advance. If woodpeckers don't get headaches, do we look to nature for our solution? Yes, woodpeckers don't get headaches, but they do get hangovers. And believe me, I've done a lot of drinking with woodpeckers. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. You know, but, it, you know, do you look it, to nature for for answers like that? I mean, it, G- Gary, I got to tell you, that's actually kind of brilliant because I'm thinking now of all these animals, like yeah. rams. Actually, uh, they do that. They 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 rams, uh, deer with antlers. Deer with the antlers. They you know. So is there is there a, a way to look to nature for some answers? You know, it's actually a great question, and people have started to do that. And the animals that you mentioned in particular, woodpecker. Rams, things like this. Um, there are a couple of companies that are out there that are looking at neck collars or other things that compress mm. the jugulars to increase the amount of blood that's in the brain. So there's maybe not as much sloshing that's going on as right. an example. I tend to kind of take a step back and go, those things are very interesting and they may be relevant in the future, but the practicality is where I always get hung up because you got to be mm. able to not just have a good technology, but you got to be able to bring it to the field and make it such that the players are going to want to wear this technology. Because again, often we're talking about young people and especially at the elite athlete level, they're very ingrained in what they've done in the past. And so it's not just the technology, it's making sure the technology fits into the game. And so, you know, for us, that's been a big, big component of the way we've tried to advance the vices technology, make sure it looks cool, it fits into sort of the work day for these guys, and it has this you know advantage in terms of safety. Quick question, because we've got to wrap up, but when you look at the big manufacturers that are out there, um, is, is this something where you share information with them, or do you work with them if they were to come to you and say, mm. hey, you know, we, wanna, we want in on this? How does that work? Yeah, I think as a community, we all want to be able to work together to see, you know, these safety advancements, uh, you know, move forward. I think one one of the things that's been very striking to me as we got into this is just how kind of antiquated and old school, you know, the helmet manufacturers in the space had been. They didn't really have to change a lot because they weren't being forced to. And that's been one of the things that's been very fun for me in particular with this uh, effort that we've had with vices is that we've really been a forcing function to say 
all right, we're going to completely disrupt this industry, come in and rethink it, start from scratch, do something different. And it's been good because we've been seeing the other companies respond and start to advance their science and engineering as well. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for the community as a whole, both on the science and engineering side to come together to continue to advance what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, for me, I want to see kids able to go out and play sports safely. I want them to be able to pick what they want to do, whether that's football, hockey, lacrosse, whatever it may be that's a helmeted sport, biking, get out there and go to town, but be able to be safe. And as a parent of young kids, I want to make sure that I feel good letting my kids out playing these games. So I think all of us in this space are after the same goal and, you know, working together and uh, just continuing to push the envelope is going to be really important. Very cool. Doctor, uh, before we before we go, we must go to a break. Would it be fair to call you and your team at Vice's pioneers in this area? Yeah, I, I think so. Good. And disruptors. I like that because, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of these things where, you know, it, it, it took sort of a nerdy you know, brain surgeon and a nerdy mechanical engineer to come into a, you know, football and go, hey, like you guys could do something a little bit different here or a lot different and really make an important change. And so I'm really excited. It's been a phenomenal opportunity to, uh, you know, take neurosurgery knowledge that I've acquired over, you know, lifetime of training and really bring it, bring it forward with the, the engineers and do something that we hope is going to be just really, really important. Well, you guys are the living embodiment of our show's tagline, which is where geeks and jocks collide. See? So, <laughs> good job. Uh, at home, doctor. Yeah, man. Way to go. Yeah. Way, to, way, to make, way to bring it to life. <laughs> yeah, way doc- to bring it to life. Thank you. Yes. Dr. Samuel Browd and the good people of Vices and the Zero One Helmet, which you will be seeing this season in NFL more than you thought before. Oh, wait. Doctor, no. Wait. Yes. No. I, doc. Here's the thing. Before I let, before we let you go, I just had a brilliant idea. Don't, if okay? you save your si- the head, the size no. of your head. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. <laughs> it's a little helmet that you put on your big toe when you go to sleep, so that you will never stub your toe in the middle of the night. You really need to go now, <laughs> Doc. You got to go for your own safety. Hey, hey, that one's free, Doc. That one's free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An invisible ink, Doctor. We got to let you go. Been a pleasure. Thank you, sir, Doctor Samuel Browd, and the good people of Vices. Thank over you guys. The, you're welcome over in Seattle, Washington. We're going to take that break. Coming up next, we'll get into helmet testing and the physics of collisions. Ouch! And that will all be with the CEO of sports science physicist, Richard Brand. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. 
Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops Driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. Welcome back to Playing With Science. We're talking about concussions and helmet technology. The show is giving me a headache. I'm sorry. You give me a headache. <laughs> That's enough of our problems. But joining us in the studio now to discuss the physics of collisions is CEO of Sports Science, physicist Richard Brandt and Richard, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, can you give us a breakdown on, because with impacts, with concussions, there's all different types. There's not one simple thing happening when you have a collision, when you have an impact that can bring a concussion. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in American football, the typical collisions that cause concussions could be at 20 miles an hour. You very fast. Wow. And this can lead to head accelerations as, as much as uh, 100 Gs, 100 times the acceleration of gravity. Oof. Enormous forces, That's... five, 600 pounds typically uh, on the head, and uh, torques too from the rotations that are induced. Uh, so it's, it's a dangerous sport. And uh, at that level, it's estimated that the probability of uh, concussion is maybe 70% if at that kind of speed uh, with wow. a direct impact. That's, in, that's insanely high. It's insanely high. And there's plenty of evidence that this is happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, the issue is, uh, and I, I assume we'll discuss that, what to do about it. And I have 
some ideas about that. But it, it's um, a serious problem, and the game is violent, and they're addressing this. The NFL is trying to address it by limiting the types of impacts that are allowed. Mm-hmm. And most recently, they want the players to not strike opponents when their helmet is bent downwards. Right, right. This has been very controversial because the players claim that's the only way they know how to play. You know, right. they helmet to helmet. Down, yeah. Yeah. helmet, helmet to helmet, helmet to helmet, helmet to helmet shoulder, to shoulder, or helmet to back, right. yeah. or to any any vulnerable part. Well, that's the. I mean, that's how you're taught. As I don't know if they're still teaching this, but the way you were taught uh, was head down, drive through. So you put your head down and you drive through the tackle. like, yeah. And so that's how it's historically been. And that's what they want to stop. And it's a question of to what extent the officials will enforce that and to what extent the players will try to get alternative methods of achieving their goals. And you begin to change the game. Yes, you begin to change the game. So uh, if and if we go down the road of if we <clears throat> cannot do that because it takes away the intrinsic part of the game that attracts so many players and and spectators how does then science and technology come not to the rescue and save the day but how does it bring forward things that will help so we talk about te- helmet technology and and thoughts and areas that you've been working on that you feel have made progress and can still make progress i believe with better helmets the occurrence of concussions can be greatly reduced. Uh Uh, People are starting to do this. Helmets hadn't changed since the inception of the game. Well, they started with leather helmets. I was going to say, yeah, aside from the big leather (laughs) hat. But now there's been some progress, but not nearly enough. And I think the main reason for this is there's just not enough money that is dedicated to the development of better helmets. Uh I think with enough creativity enough understanding of the science involved, enough trial and error, you could greatly reduce the uh, occurrence of concussions. Now, I know you were doing work with uh, baseball bats. Are you doing anything with helmets as well? Yeah. Uh, you know, to test what I've just said, me and a partner, in a few months' time, put together a helmet that we thought would lead to an improvement. It's not a complete prototype. We didn't have enough money to do that. But we made a partial prototype, just the top hemisphere of a helmet, mm-hmm. and subjected it to impacts and measured the accelerations from these impacts on the head of a dummy. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to talk about me like that. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, it wasn't personal. <laughs> Well, go ahead. Continue. Okay. And we measured the forces transmitted through the helmet onto the dummy's skull, which would be transmitted onto the human head uh, in a real-life situation. And so with very little time and and almost no funding, we had a 25% improvement in the protective capabilities over what existed at the time on the market. Uh What I mean by that is for a given impact, a given hit on the helmet at a given speed with a given mass, the actual exerted force or acceleration on the skull of a player or dummy wearing that helmet would be at least 25% less than any helmet that's out there. And this was just in its infancy. We didn't optimize for the best equipment, the best uh, computer uh, stimulations, 
the best materials to use. The key to having a better helmet is to dissipate the impact energy mm-hmm. into thermal energy, into heat. Interesting. The more of the impact energy that goes into heat, the less energy will be transmitted through the helmet on to the skull of the player, and the less will be the force applied on the helmet by that impact. So now you've said that, my minuscule brain is starting to work slowly. How do I get energy from an impact and superconduct it through the body of the helmet and not shoot flames out as heat, but to, to, to convert it into heat and therefore allow it to dissipate th- through that? Is, there, is that technology available? Oh, sure. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Oh, how? What in in, uh, in silicon chips with the conductivity of? No, in elastic materials that are heavily damped. Uh huh. If you look in a, a factory uh, or a machine shop, and there's a lot of vibrations going on, it's desirable to dampen those vibrations right, because right. of the noise they create and because mm-hmm. it affects the and, work and, you're doing. And, and eventually it'll bring down the building. <laughs> yes, eventually. <laughs> eventually. So there's material that they use, sorbethane as an example, that is highly damped so that when you have an impact on it or a vibration, it does turn a lot of that energy into heat. The trouble with that is it's heavy, heavy material. So uh. the issue is can you make a helmet that isn't really too heavy mm. that absorbs that kind of heat. Because the more weight you've got, heat. the less chance I've got of running 20 miles, not could ever run at 20 miles an hour, right. but you've got less chance of being able to do your job, which is be very qu- quick across. Because yeah. we're dealing with some of the most elite athletes on the planet within NFL. Are there, are there any other ways? I mean, how, how does it get so hot? Are we, are we talking ridiculously hot temperatures? Can I cook oh. an egg on my helmet? Not not right away. <laughs> Part of right the problem, away. which you've recognized, is yeah. how to dissipate the heat that you've created, the heat that you've taken as energy from mm. the impact. And so you just can't have a complete layer of damped elastic material in the helmet because then it will just absorb the heat and after a few impacts, it will get uncomfortably hot. Mm. So you have to have holes in it so that the heat can be conducted away. In principle, there are other ways you, uh, to conduct the heat away. You could even have a stream of, uh, of uh, some cold material involved okay. that will stay cold enough during the game mm-hmm. to do the trick. Uh, you could have a, a, a fan mechanism in it. There, there are various things you can do, but largely it's a question of geometry. If the geometry of this damped elastic material mm that's inserted into the helmet is chosen appropriately, then the heat would be dissipated away without rising the temperature to an uncomfortable level. Chuck was saying that you've worked on other things in other sports. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, Tennis rackets? Yes. So, and baseball bats. I'm just thinking there's a point of percussion of which you... You will lose. You will. You can dampen a tennis racket down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and similar thing with a baseball bat. Are you able to borrow from those and introduce them into the helmet situation, or is it just not viable? Um, the, the helmet issue is much more complicated. I mean, you could put a little absorptive material on a tennis racket and get rid of unwanted vibrations. Yeah. 
for a baseball bat, you could put absorptive material in the handle to, so you don't get a sting. Mm. Uh, that's less important now with carbon fiber bats, but when they were aluminum, mm. titanium, then the sting was an issue as well as the sound. But for the helmet, it's a more complicated problem because you're protecting a large area and uh, trying to protect an object, the brain, that's extremely sensitive to yeah. accelerations. Well, in an impact, the impacting bodies collide. So in terms of elasticity, they compress against one another and then they decompress and go apart. Mm-hmm. That During that compression, some of the energy from the impact is stored as elastic energy in the spring. That energy goes right back into the head of the uh, player. But some of the energy is, if the spring is damped, goes into heat. Okay. And that then would be dissipated, and that would result not only in less energy transferred to the head of the player, mm. but it would reduce the force that's actually applied onto the helmet. Wow. Yeah. One, one thing to realize that I think isn't generally realized, if you apply a force on a helmet, yeah. no helmet can reduce that force. Whatever is applied on the helmet is transmitted to the brain of, or to the skull, at least, yeah. of the player. What a good helmet can do, though, is actually reduce the force that's actually applied onto the outer helmet, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where this thermal energy dissipation comes in. Let me ask you this. How come no one has ever thought, thought about, um, like, thickening the skull of, of the player? And by that, I mean artificially. So you would wear kind of like a skull cap, you know, or some type of layer uh, in between the helmet and the player himself. I mean, mm. some, one could say that that would just be part of the helmet. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is kind of like a liner. Like a, like like when you uh, wear certain gloves, you put like a liner on, and then you put the glove on so you can handle really hot material. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, does that make sense? Or No. <laughs> okay, good, good. No, because as I said, any force that's transmitted onto that liner is right. going to go It's still going to go through. You cannot reduce a force that's applied to it. So really what you need to do, it's really about dissipation. It's about spreading that force out. Yes, spreading it out over a larger Larger area. area. So that reduces the local force application and absorbing the energy into heat so that the actual applied force is diminished. It's diminished. Would it help to, is there any way you can then through the helmet transfer that through more of the body? Yes, I think that could be done. You could that would be a way of having the heat that's produced yeah. dissipated without increasing the temperature too much at the uh, no more need for seat warmers when you're playing at Soldier's Field. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, exactly. That would, that would be an added benefit. Yeah, when you're in the frozen tundra of Green Bay, it's just like uh, I got my helmet to keep me warm. <laughs> now. Uh, the the truth is, though, that the impacts occur separated by several minutes or right. longer. So there is plenty of time for the heat produced in a given impact to dissipate. It's not as if you're constantly getting banged in so the what's head. What's the contact time for, for something that could pos- possibly, potentially, end in a concussion? The contact time is about a tenth of a second. Yeah. 
the longer the contact time, the better, because it spreads the force out yes. over a longer time. It could be uh, a twentieth of a second, half of a, a tenth of a second. Short contact time. And then what sort of time after that are you looking for trying to transfer that energy into heat? Well, it, it happens during, during the, the impact. It's, yeah, yes. so it's all part and parcel of that time. Yes, frame. it all happens together. That's right. I believe I have a solution for this, and I'm just going to go out and say it. You'll be rich. I, and I, here it is. Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is Richard Brent. Um, thank you uh, for the CEO of Sports Science here in New York. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Dr. Roger Hartle, the official neurosurgeon of the New York Giants. Yep, he'll be our guest next. Don't go away. We'll be right back. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back to Playing With Science. Of course, we're looking at concussions and the new helmet technology in football. And up next, uh, Dr. Roger Hartle, the official neurosurgeon for the New York Giants. So who better to discuss what goes on, actually goes on, in a player's brain during a collision? And, of course, you got to talk to him. Unfortunately, yeah. I wasn't available. We did a pre-tape for this, and so I'm really interested to hear what he had to say. And you will not be disappointed. It's fabulous insight into what goes on. Cool. Let's check it out. We are joined by Professor Roger Hartle from the Wild Cornell Brain and Spinal Center in New York. Welcome to Planet Science. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. Thank you kindly. Um... Can you just describe what is actually going on when a player suffers a traumatic blow to the head in terms of how the brain reacts? Yeah, I think this is a very good, uh, very good question. Uh, what happens is that a mechanical impact on the head, but it doesn't always have to be the head. It could also be an impact on the body that is somewhat translated to the head. Uh, it seems to have an impact on... Uh, on the balance in the brain of uh, electrolytes and neurotransmitters and, uh, and especially potassium and calcium. And there seems to be a breakdown, a temporary breakdown of the membranes in the brain 
that contain a certain balance between those uh, be, between uh, those electrolytes, and that imbalance can trigger uh, electrophysiological changes that can result in a temporary loss of consciousness, and then over time, even in more significant changes such uh, such as injuries to the uh, axons, the uh, uh, the um, um, and and even to cell death. It's interesting. It's it's not just a physical impact it's a chemical impact that combines the two so if if we're looking at how we address concussions and because there's not there's a full-on impact but you can still get a concussion from a glancing blow how how does how do they change the the whole way the brain is reacting from the two different types yeah the mechanical impact is just the uh, initial uh, it's just the initial reason why these chemical changes happen. The problem is not always the initial impact. The problem sometimes is really what the brain is trying to do and trying to accomplish by repairing itself. And the problem is that these imbalances, these chemical imbalances that, that are being triggered by the mechanical impact have to be repaired. And the brain is trying to do that by using a lot of energy to restore the balance. And that can lead to an energy crisis in the brain. And that's why players or individuals, any individual who has who have an, a, a concussion or a head injury are very mm -hmm. vulnerable, sometimes for hours, sometimes even for days after the initial injury. And that vulnerability is really caused by the, the brain's attempt to repair and restore hemostasis in the brain. Amazing, the brain is reacting immediately it's not gone into a shutdown and then a reboot. It reacts right. immediately. That, that's, that's incredible, but I shouldn't be surprised. Um, in assessing an athlete, are there is something like 31 markers for concussion? And if that is the case, how many of those markers does an athlete have to present with for you to say that's a concussion? Again, that's a very good question. And, and our understanding has really somewhat expanded over the years uh, in so far as we uh, really uh, uh, realize that there's no good definition of a concussion. And therefore, the diagnosis of a con concussion is so difficult. We used to look at a few things and there was there were grading, there were grading schemes that were uh, we were trying to grade the severity of a concussion. It turns out that you, it's not that easy. All we know right now is that it takes some type of mechanical impact, and the brain and the, and the body react to that. And then patients can display signs or symptoms, and there are a host of signs, there are many more than 30. Uh, mm. And those signs and symptoms can, can be cognitive, uh, so people can have loss of consciousness, they can have uh, uh, lo memory loss, uh, they can be emotional, uh, physical, obviously, nausea, vomiting, headaches, and so forth are very commonly seen after concussion. Or they can have much more subtle uh, problems that can also be very significant, though, for example, sleep disturbances and so forth. So it can be emotional, cognitive, physical, or sleep patterns can be affected. So you, got, you kind of have to put all those things together uh, with the initial impact and then have to figure out, well, did this player or did, did this individual really have a concussion or is there something else going on? So we really, we really look at so many different factors and it is sometimes a real challenge to figure out the uh, uh, the severity and, and and the impact of 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 a concussion. It's almost 
And once you explain it like that, I have even more admiration for the medical staff around organizations like the Giants when you've got to factor in all of those components. So if if a player has what may be suspected to be a concussion, what is the protocol from taking him or her out of their business, their game, and, and for how long? Yeah, I think that, you know, th those are very important uh, things to talk about. And, and what has really evolved again over the last, uh, you know, five to 10 years is that our, our threshold to diagnose a concussion or to at least have the suspicion that somebody has a concussion has been lowered. And, and we're much more likely nowadays to uh, assume that a player has a concussion uh, because we look very, very carefully at a lot of these signs and symptoms. And not only that, now obviously during a game, you, all, you have the additional um, ability to review uh, certain uh, uh, moments. You know, you can look at the videotapes, you can go back, and sometimes that becomes very important to really be able to look at the player right at the moment of the impact or immediately afterwards. And that helps us sometimes to really make that crucial decision. Did a player have a concussion or maybe not? Um, we, we have, uh, uh, especially at games now, we have uh, a very, very dense network of uh, independent or unaffiliated consultants who watch the players. So again, we're much more likely, I think, nowadays to really accurately diagnose a player at risk than we were years ago. And if that happens, uh, usually you know, that player is removed from the game and is very carefully examined, and that will either confirm or refute our diagnosis, and then we'll make a decision. Is this, uh, uh, is this really a concussion, and does this warrant really removing the player from the game? It's interesting you say that, because that's the first time I've heard any sporting organization, what I would call an elite organization, I'm thinking of referring to the Giants, that would have a team posted to in-game identify any potential issues. So is that is that an initiative the Giants have taken on themselves, or is that a protocol around the NFL? Well, you know, the Giants have been very proactive for many years in, in uh, trying to diagnose and uh, 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 respond accurately to, pay, to, to patients or players with concussions. But the NFL as an organization over the last five to six years has really taken this to a different level, uh, meaning that they have invested a lot of resources in in getting these teams of specialists on the on the play, on, on 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 the field during the game, uh, you know we've got multiple now uh, neurologists slash neurosurgeons who are watching who are present at every game, who watch like every moment of every game. We've got ATC spotters in the booth who monitor very closely what's going on on the uh, on the field. Uh, so, so it's quite uh, remarkable, and and I think from a professional uh, perspective, when I'm at a game, uh, it's it's pretty amazing to see the um, the detail that really goes into assessing these players. Uh, but this has you know, obviously involved because of the uh, overall increased uh, awareness of the potential severity of concussions. Yes. This has evolved over the last five six years and uh, has really resulted, I think, in a very remarkable improvement uh, for us to diagnose and, and then hopefully also treat and, and address concussions early on. How far? I mean, the only thing to do is take tackling out of the game and then it doesn't become football, it becomes something else. So I can't see that being the answer. Right. How much further can we go with these sort of 
areas being addressed without changing the intrinsic value of the game of football? I think this is, uh, you know, it's a fascinating topic to discuss. And, and you know, uh, uh, life has changed. You know, things change all the time. Uh, football has changed dramatically over the years and over the decades. You know, if you look at soccer, you know, there are tons of changes in, uh, in soccer and other sports. Now, um, uh, it's, it's almost more like a philosophical question. I think what's going to be what's going to be important is to not only to change uh, the rules of the game, but then also to to show and demonstrate that this change has actually a, a benefit, has a positive impact on the players, on their health, on their families, and so forth. I think if you can show that, then any type of rule change will be much more acceptable, not only to the players, to the organizations, but also to the individuals watching. Uh, uh, the game and, and, and the fans. So, so, and, and that's kind of what, what we're doing. You know, we're, we're collecting data. So we're not just changing the rules. We're also really uh, uh, collecting data and we're trying to prove that whatever rule changes we implement, not we, but the NFL, the Giants and so forth, really leads to uh, a, a greater safety and health of the players. So I think that's the other thing that people don't really talk about. If once, if you can show that there's a benefit to the health, I think any type of rule change will be better accepted. Okay. Um, how do the players themselves react? How have they have they actually been proactive and come to professors and doctors and neurosurgeons like yourself and said, "Is there a way for us? Is there something we can do?" Have they have they joined in this uh, this discussion, this debate? Uh, absolutely. Individual players have, but then also uh, the Players Association works very closely with the NFL. For example, they uh, they did a study comparing the helmets. You know, uh, they, they, you know, there are so many different types of helmets out there, mm-hmm. and there was a study that was really supported by both organizations that looked at the quality of the helmets, and they were able to eliminate uh, a number of helmets that were just not good enough based on biomechanical testing. And now the players are not um, uh, allowed to use those types of helmets because uh, the understanding is that those helmets may not be safe. So there's a lot of uh, activity going on uh, when it comes to engineering, so equipment, education, but then also enforcement of rule changes. So those three uh, those those three uh, uh, fields together will really uh, make uh, football much safer. We've been speaking to a couple of people on the show, one of them, uh, Dr. Samuel Browd, who you may know, a neurosurgeon up in Washington and has an affiliation with the Seahawks. Um, He's involved with uh, Vysis, the Zero One helmet, which is the new kind of four-layered helmet, which has been proven under that uh, NFL head health challenge to be the safest. Do you think that is the way forward or is the solution, as we've been discussing, more of a holistic challenge, not just the head itself. Well, I'm a big believer in holistic uh, approaches, not only for concussion, but also for spine and other health-related problems. And I think that, uh, uh, I I think it's definitely going to be holistic. The helmet alone is not going to make a difference because if you just look at the helmet, you can use a helmet as a weapon. We know that. So uh, and it, so so regardless, the helmet alone is important, but it's not going to be the solution. It has to be embedded in in the whole system approach. And again, that is education, education of the players, of the coaches, of the trainers at every level, 
uh, of the public. Uh, it has to be certain rule modifications or rule changes that have been implemented recently, but also over the years. And then for sure, it has to be engineering, and that is uh, that has to do with uh, helmet safety, the mechanical uh, safety of, of helmets, but also other devices that can be introduced into sports. Are all of the NFL organizations on the same page and <clears throat> the Giants, or are you a bit of a, a field leader at the moment? Well, I'm obviously a little bit biased, but uh, I, I think that uh, I think that the Giants have a, a tradition of really uh, spearheading safety, especially when it comes to concussions. You know, it was one of the first football organizations that had a a, a protocol in place for how to deal with concussed uh, players, uh, and that dates back. Uh, way way before um, this was really on on the radar screen of, of any of the major uh, football organizations, uh, there are publications. You know, we've done um, we've done a number of uh, research studies over the years, uh, looking at uh, how can we better diagnose uh, concussions. I, I mentioned in the beginning that the challenge with concussions is really how do you accurately diagnose it. You know, there's a we, we did some research on um, how we can use special MRI scans, for example, to hopefully better diagnose players at risk uh, for concussion or players who had a concussion already. So I think uh, the, the Giants have, have, have made a big contribution in, in the field and continue to do so. Thank you so much. Um, you've joined a group of guests we've had on today's show that have shown, yes, there's the concussion is an issue, but but there's such positivity going towards helping diminish, not 100% solve, but address the situation in a very positive way. So Roger Hartle, Professor Roger Hartle, thank you for your time. Thank you, it's a great pleasure. Fabulous talking to Professor Hartle there. Yeah. And he, he, the fact of he's looking at it holistically, he's not just saying, you gotta deal with the head because that's where the brain is and that's where the issues are. Yeah. Everything is being factored in. And he said he at the Giants, they've tried to lead right. the protocols. Right. They've tried to understand. And even if you think about they have people watching every single player that's involved in a tackle. And they will then monitor for any telltale signs. Or if they see something on a replay, mm -hmm. they will go to that player immediately and find out. Well, it's, listen, it's, it's very it's important. Going it's, the right, it's going in the right direction. Correct. The NFL has made a lot of new rule changes, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, like he said, it's not just about the collision or the the head or mm. it's about all of this you know yeah. even like snapping of the head uh, you know all there, that. there's what we now feel is there's from looking at this from the outside I, I I understand there's such a will to do the right thing right and uh, and the other thing he was saying there we will advise we will present information and then the powers that be will decide on how or if they change rules. Oh, believe me, they will. I mean, you know, you're talking about this yeah. is such a big deal to the NFL. I think it's really the whole future of the of the league is hinged upon this issue in in some way. And I really don't think that uh, I, I don't think that they would look at it lightly in no, any way, shape, or form. I can't imagine. That. I mean, hopefully, our listeners have had their minds challenged and are now aware that. There is a lot more being done than possibly they thought was being done. We smacked you in the head with knowledge, and hopefully you didn't get a concussion. Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> That's our show. Hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll catch you next time.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.